Oh, man. That whiskey. It's a strong brew. <laughs> that whiskey is how the yodel was born. Yeah. Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 140, the all Q&A episode, part number two, where every Tuesday we get a whole bunch of comic books. This should not be your first episode. If you're oh, tuning you're in this, up. yeah. I mean, go, you're, you're, you're fudging up. Go to episode 138 or 139, yeah. episode 140. Any other episode. And 140.1 <laughs> or 0.5 or whatever is, is a special thing. But This um, is also the second part of 140. Yes. One, is this point, 140.1, 140.5, 140 and a half? You tell me how to use decimals. Uh, 140. B. Like 140.B. I like that. 140.B. We'll do that. Um, we're going to answer a whole bunch of questions from our customers slash friends. You, you'd get that reference if you listen to part A. <laughs> uh, and uh, also taste a new bottle of whiskey. And we're going to try uh, listen to some voicemails also. Voicemails, a couple more emails. And, uh, you know, depending on how long we're looking at we might have to make jeff and roman talk a little bit about the mark wade's marvel secret history of the marvel universe or whatever there's a really good chance that you dear listener have showered between listening to these episodes jeff and roman and i however have have not not. we haven't even stood up since the (laughs) last time you heard us talking in your ears that's a crazy thing to think about but yes he's right we are we are just time traveling uh, such dedication like franklin richards created a little orb for us and just tossed us through space and time he he gave us a kimono we're parting it oh um it's like a palt joke (laughs) (laughs) got a little draft here let's try this um like we like we mentioned on the last episode I've never really been able to tell the difference between whiskey A and whiskey B. So yeah, I think it's ridiculous for us to be introducing this portion of anything to our podcast because we don't have palates and we are not informed. And this uh, is what we this is this do. is this is that no, this uh, is what we like, it's not what we stand for. Yeah. but it's what we do. What we stand <laughs> for is love for comics. What we do <laughs> is taste whiskey. Yeah, yeah. though yeah. this isn't Ron Swanson's. Uh, what's that? Lagavulin. Lagavulin. Yeah, this isn't a Lagavulin. That's what Justin threw up, right? It is what Justin threw Why up. I also brought it to a podcast so once. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. Uh, let's do a little uh, yeah, cheers Give, give here. us a minute here. I'm Jeff, and uh, I'm incredibly excited to, to be doing the second part of this, and uh, I've really been enjoying it so far, so cheers. I'm Django, and I'm not going <laughs> to review comics anymore. We're just going to answer questions yeah. from now on. Yeah. All questions cheers. all the time. I'm Roman, yes. I'm excited to answer more questions and drink whiskey. Roman doesn't drink that much. Oh, how did you get your tongue all the way around that glass? Uh, <laughs> I like this better. Okay. Oh. I don't know. Remember, I don't remember what it is, but I like this better than the first one. This is High West whiskey. Okay, I like the High West. Yeah, hundred percent. It's alcohol, Ooh. but it doesn't have that um, that thing I said about the other one, where it doesn't have that rubbing alcohol thing. It's actually right. it's a taste through and through. It's hotter. Yeah, I don't, oh, I don't feel this in my nose. Yeah, recording exactly. this podcast just got a lot more expensive, guys. <laughs> uh, this is Ooh. also oh, forty. This is six percent more alcohol. It's smoother and it's uh, it doesn't. This is why kids, as a throwback to the last episode, wouldn't listen to our podcast. Maybe we should have an apple juice podcast. Why do this, they this, do this, the big boy juice stuff? 
because you got to wash down the, the dust of the range sometimes, and this will do it. So let's take a moment to talk about House of X number one. Wait a right, minute. Jeff? Wait, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff? It's excellent. It's House of Ten. Oh, yeah, sorry. Powers of X. It's astounding and uncanny um, and astonishing. You want to kick this one off with a voicemail? Do you have a voicemail lined up? Do um, I ever? You, you like voicemail? Well, actually, I got a, a, a great voicemail. Or, sorry, email I just want right. to mention. It's not so much a question. This Fine. Is, this found its way to us, and I'm so happy it did. It actually found its way to us as I was leaving Austin, Texas. But um, this is from a subscriber of ours, Tristan Hansen, who used to be in the store every week and moved away uh, months ago. And we really miss you. And it was very touching uh, that you has been listening to the podcast and and sent this to us. So it says, hey, guys, just returned to the podcast after having taken a year-long break. So he moved actually more than months ago, about a year ago, (laughs) uh, after moving to Austin from Bellingham. So emailing wondering why Jeff is headed to Austin or (laughs) maybe in the past now went to Austin. By the way, my favorite comic shop in Austin is Austin Books and Comics, assuming Jeff will want to take in a comic book shop while he's in town. It reminds me of the comics place, though still doesn't rate quite as high. Listening to the podcast is a little bittersweet for me now because it makes me feel feelings, and those usually have to do with longing for the ocean and wander beer. So, yeah, thanks for that. Feelings like bumpy? (laughs) We'll be in Bellingham toward the end of (laughs) August and definitely plan to stop by and buy some comics. By then, there will be 10 Hickman books that I can catch up on. (laughs) Keep the comics place weird. The slogan started in Austin, not in Portland. Uh, Tristan, I got this email jangle forwarded to me while I was on the airplane about to fly back from Austin. Uh, Like about-ish. You spent 14 hours on the tarmac waiting for a new tire, right? right? (laughs) It was incredibly touching. I'm moved that you uh, sent this to us. And I really hope that you come to the shop. I hope that you come to Bellingham at the end of August and come to the shop. And if it's one of the few days that I'm not here, make sure someone calls me because I'll come by. I would love to say hi to you. Coincidentally, the only comic shop I went to was Austin's Books and Comics. And I was blown away by it. All he's talked about since he got back is... Hickman Books. Ribs. (laughs) House of X. And that comic store. George from Austin Books and Comics. Yeah, like, who, like nonstop. And, well, and also his ear infection that's, yeah, that's going away. Um, George was great, and he reminded me a lot of our shops, Braden. Uh, Austin was amazing. I went just with Sam uh, to go on vacation and not have it be around going to a wedding or a family reunion or something like that, just to spend six days somewhere foreign and, and take it in. So uh, it was awesome to do it. If, if I lived in Austin, that is the comic shop that I would go to 100%. So thank you for but, sen- sending this email. I'm just curious, was it, what, I mean, what kind of stores? Is it big, two stories? What? Um, it is a store that was originally a bookstore that transitioned to a science fiction bookstore. And then as the market changed, became a comic book shop. And they own several spots on this sort of st- uh, business mall type area. Three separate stores with three separate names. And one is Austin Books and Comics. That's all comics. That's if really you're interesting. In Austin, it's the it's the shop to go to. I would love oh, cool. to move our games to another shop and just make the comics place one big comics place, and then have an adjoining game area. Look for that in the future, everybody. Mm. Oh <laughs> shit! That that was really that's really sweet, Tristan. Thank you. I mean, that's that always. I think that's so cool that people still like think of us and remember us I after know. they leave the area. Yeah, that, that we had an effect. It's like the highest possible compliment. I absolutely yeah. agree. And yeah. I think I think it's the highest pop- possible compliment because we – that's kind of what we strive for, but it's not necessarily what we 
project that we're striving for. Right. Right. Like like it's it's really nice to to hear that you like us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and not just our comic. Um, you went you went to Texas with Sam. Yeah. Sam, like your girlfriend. Ooh, I mean my partner. Hi, uh, my name is Sam. And I have a question for y'all. I know you probably have had the question of like what superhero do you most relate to or like feel like you would most be if you were had any choice or anything but my question is which wwe superstar present or past (laughs) do you feel like you most relate with or maybe even want to be or feel a connection to and yeah that's that's my question for you (laughs) dang she's got a hot voice What a great question. Oh, these are all such great questions. My gosh. Thank you, people. Yeah. Um, Who was that? A Sam? Well, thank you, Samuel. Um, My answer is obviously Bailey. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. She's this WWE superstar. She's who made me love wrestling, started watching wrestling, but she's all about positivity, uh, optimism, hugging. If you come into the store, if I've had a side pony on or a shirt that's talking about hugging, I have many Bailey shirts, many headbands. I adore her because I think she's hilarious, but I also, like, she just kind of goes down to that Grant Morrison thing to me of just, I like positivity because I struggle to find it in me all the time, so I'm always looking for things to help me uh, foster that myself. So, Bailey, through and through. Yeah. Oh, great answer. Jeez. So, I won't say Bailey, even though I I also love Bailey. I know you do. Um, Seth Rollins, are you going to burn it down? (laughs) He's going to say Hulk Hogan. Oh, man. Seth is so He's an evil racist. (laughs) Andre the Giant? I love everybody, brother. (laughs) Except for them and them and them. (laughs) 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 Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Yeah. um, No, I'll say, since you took Bailey, I'll I'll say say, um, Finn Balor. Because oh. compared to a lot of wrestlers, he's kind of a little guy, but he's so confident and such a great smile. He's, in a more subtle way, positive, I think. I wish I could be as confident and, and just as as out there. And after that would be Roman Reigns. I was going to say Roman Reigns, the cancer survivor. Yeah, through, yeah, leukemia survivor name, twice. Does, yeah. Is Roman Reigns the one that looks like a country star? Like he could be singing the honky tonk with Donkey Donk? No, he's uh, no. that's the heartbreak kid. Uh, Roman Reigns is uh, Shawn Michaels. Uh, Roman Reigns is in he's in Hobbs the new and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw movie. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, I can't yeah. wait for that. That's <laughs> yeah. one of the reasons he's I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. So who are you, The Rock, Django? Hang on, I'm still replaying the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. There's there's a part of me. Oh macho god, man. it looks so good. It does. <laughs> uh, Sting, 100% Sting. Oh, oh WCW. Interesting. It's uh, the only wrestling character who is not Andre the Giant, snap into a Slim Jim dude, <laughs> or, Hulk, or Hulk Hogan that I <laughs> can bring to mind. Oh, you like I the guess, Rock? I guess Bailey. Yeah, I like The Rock not as a wrestler, though. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm completely ambivalent about him as a wrestler. I fucking love him as a as an actor. Uh, he's just the most charismatic man in the world. And uh, <laughs> I can't wait for him to play Charlie Brown in the Peanuts reboot, the, like the gritty Peanuts reboot. That's going to be fucking rad. <laughs> is that a thing that just you've been talking about, or is that actually a real thing? I don't know why you have to ask that. Uh, Sting... <laughs> 
is because he's all image. He well, just floated around yeah. for a while without wrestling. Yeah, like he, like he came out when the crow was a thing. Yeah, like the crow like the movie. Crow. He looks like the crow. They dumped a cage full of blood on him. Like I'm not even sure how you dump a. <laughs> like how do you get a cage filled with something because it's a cage. Right? So, like, the blood should have just <laughs> fallen out as soon as they lifted it up. And yet... <laughs> and yet, they dumped a cage full of blood on him on the stage. The Attitude Era was the wild, wild west <laughs> yeah. of television. Like, yeah. And was... other than that, like, including that, I don't know anything about wrestling. I might have just made up a whole thing. I don't know if that cage full of blood <laughs> thing actually happened. It's what I remember. i got Google uh, the blood cage sting thing tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, Sam... Give, give me sting any whoever day. Whoever you are, uh, that was a great question. <laughs> Um, okay. Um, I've got a question here, um, from... This whiskey is spicy. It's a little spicy. I, I like, like it. They're putting it's pepper good. in it. Really oh. good. Yeah. Um, this is a question from Edgar Franks, who has oh. been coming to the short store for about a year now, and he's just a total delight. Um, he works somewhere around here, and it's just been awesome. I love every time he lets us pick his brain a little bit. He's a... Super interesting guy, super kind, soft-spoken, really big fan. He's a really good example, I think, of people who we get to watch their enthusiasm kind of rise mm. to to match ours. You know, like, I, I don't think he was a comic reader when he first started coming in, right? I don't think so. Or maybe and, he had been, you know, long ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but just, like, watching him get more and more excited about things. Him, him and Nathan Butcher, I think. Yeah, Nathan Butcher. Like, Wow. You got you guys yeah. are ramping up. You're, you're getting ready to fly your motorcycle <laughs> off of a ramp into you don't, a helicopter. You don't need you don't us anymore. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and Jay. And, yeah. So, oh Jay, <laughs> I just don't get that guy. Jay. Uh, Edgar Franks. Hey, hello. This is Edgar. Comic books have always taken on social, cultural, mm-hmm. and political issues. Mm-hmm. I really liked reading Barrier. Thanks to Jeff for introducing me to it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I really felt it gave a unique spin on the immigration issues we face today. Are there any comic books that really captures the political moment we are living in right now? Read all the Mark Russell books. Yeah, Mark. I'm going to go home now. Mark Russell <laughs> for sure. Then the upcoming Tom King, uh, Mitch Garrett's uh, Doc Shaner, Adam, Adam Strange book is supposed to supposed to be in the way that Mr. Miracle was about PTSD. That's supposed to be about basically the Trump Trump America. I mean, it's it's that that. Subject is all over comic books right now yeah. in one way or another. And I don't think that I'm just assigning it to comics. Even this X-Men that we talked about yeah. on part one of this podcast is to some extent about current political climate, right? And I like I think the most direct one for me, uh, aside from Barrier, which is just like not – doesn't even pretend that there's an allegory in there. It's like, oh, here it is mm-hmm. in, in America and Mexico, and then here it is, Earth versus space. Um, but every Mark Russell book that I read has lots of very interesting kind of introspective discussion about exactly what's going on in politics at any given moment. Roman. Um, yeah, and I was thinking LaGuardia. Oh, yeah. But also... Um, that was what, great. What was that series that uh, started off was set on that <laughs> border town? It was called Border Town. Um, mm-hmm. th- that dealt with being on, on the Texas-Mexico border and then inadvertently 
became this meta commentary where it ended because the artist, the writer, the writer was a total creep. Yeah, total creeps we and kind of sexual artist. harassment like stuff. Yeah, the artist yeah. was amazing, and the series had to end because of other current terrible issues. And it was already dealing with terrible issues in the story. And that was um, like that was kind of like barrier where it's like Mexico, U.S. Yeah. border conflict and then like hell and earth conflict instead of space and earth conflict. Yeah, yeah. And he, and I mean, every week, I mean, this week, uh, George Takai's new graphic yeah. novel came out about um, being a child interred in the Japanese-American concentration camps mm-hmm. um, during World War II. I feel like there's a... I, 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 we don't know enough about Event Leviathan yet, but I think that that's commentary on a lot of current events, and I think we need yeah, to see a little more shape of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I can't remember what it was within the last like two weeks, but it definitely was about kind of just fake news. Lois like, Lane. Yeah, I think it was, mm. it was Lois yeah. Lane. Yeah, there was a real political yeah. thing there. And Jimmy yeah. Olsen is all about like the way that like be, like one step behind the Lois Lane scenes of how the newsroom operates and, and kind of like the, the bullshit that, that happens there. I would right. say yeah. uh, The New World by Alex oh, Cobb yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Trad Moore. Although that almost felt – so that, that had a, an amount of current events, but it almost felt like it was a commentary on reality television, which yeah. uh, it's a little but 10 it, years old at this point. Yeah, yeah. But I think reality television also really easily dovetails into the YouTube sure. um, sort of type of conversation that is necessary now. And it's yeah. sort of a continuation of a conversation that's sort of uh, subdued for a while. But um, but then it also goes into the giant wall there. and people. What was once a mm-hmm. wall for keeping people out is now a wall for keeping people in. Right. Um, but about reality te- television as well, for sure. Mm. And I don't like to say it, but... I think a large portion of my comic consumption has something to do with intentionally trying to not think about politics to some regard. Because I don't think there's any shame in that at all. I think yeah. like comics should be that there are enough comics and enough stories that you should read whatever books serve the purpose of the that, that you need them to. But. Edgar, it does actively approach a comic book of that type, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I am, I'm glad that they do exist. I wish I could be a better help to you that, but though that does kind of fall into a blind spot for me. Just like get all of the Mark Russell books. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> home. I, I, yeah. I can't, I can't say that enough. And and even if you want like a more subtle uh, variation of that, even I'm thinking even like uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, there's an ongoing <clears throat> subplot and sometimes main plot about the uh, the rights of artificial intelligences like um, Jocasta and mm-hmm. stuff like that in Iron Man and this and the uh, I forget the name of the um, artificial intelligence he had in his armor and the way he's always approached that as a tool harvest. But, Okay, we've got an email from someone we've heard from today who we'll hear from again. Who uh, is it, Nathan? It's Nathan. A question for the hosts. What are your favorite issues of the year so far? <laughs> if it's too hard to pick a favorite, what are a couple that act as anyone can read this issues? Issues that are actual one-shots or ones that can stand alone as embodiments of a character or even just one with a good old takeaway. Um, Django, <sighs> Batman... 
72 or whatever, 69. The, all the way down. All the way down. No, it's like, yeah, six, 62, 69. I would, like, it's not this year, but if we had 100 copies of Batman Annual Number 2 from Tom King with the <laughs> Batman Catwoman love story, I would... I, w- I would push that on every single new person who walked in the door. Roman, single issues. Uh, I, God, I don't know. There's certain issues. I don't know. remember which issue numbers, but certain issues of Immortal Hulk, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, mm, there was that, I, I guess it was last year, the Swamp Thing. Oh, the Swamp Thing one-shot special. by Tom King. The yeah. Eisner Award-winning Swamp Thing one-shot. Yeah, yeah. I would say the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six oh. that came out a couple months ago yeah. uh, with the cancer patient. Yeah. I think that was pretty amazing. Single issues of the year. I would say Avenging Spider-Man number four, I think, is one of my favorite single. Spider-Man is a, is a character who has fewer long-standing stories that i love but he has these great one shots and avenging spider-man number four is one that deals with him uh trying to become friends with captain america after learning that captain america used to draw as well and it's 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 an issue that it's an issue that actually demonstrates captain america being a little bit of a dick and then realizing that and then making this very kind gesture of friendship towards Mm spider-man and that's very good um and jonathan hickman is Fantastic Four run. I forget which issue it is, but it is the one. Spoilers for this very old run. Johnny Storm dies in it. Um, and the issue after that uh, is Spider-Man and Franklin Richards. And it's it's an issue that brought me to sobbing on an airplane between two strangers the first time I read it. And I read it again like four months ago, and it made me sob on my couch alone. And it is one of the most beautiful single issues of a comic book ever and you don't need to know anything other than um franklin richards you know uncle johnny has just died i think and i don't have the lack of context to say this for sure but i think that the pax americana multiversity issue stands on its own even if you are not steeped in all the history that it encompasses and i think that the more you learn about comics the more you get out of it but i think that that issue is a pretty perfect self-contained story. I think it was like 2015. Yeah, Graham yeah, Morrison was definitely writing not this, this year. multiversity series. Uh, and issue number four, I think, was Pax Americana. And I agree, Frank Wiley did the art. I think it's one of the single finest comic book issues to ever exist. What yeah, exactly that... is the question? Like, would one of the crossed annuals count? Oh. As like something Yikes. you could just jump into and read? <laughs> no. There, there was, and again, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at issue numbers. There was a recent issue of uh, Sandman the Dreaming where one of the um, characters is sitting by the hospital bed of another character, and they're talking about the uh, lost love and the meanings of love and that kind of thing, and that was an issue that made me cry. Um, and I'm sorry I don't know the issue number, but it was it was within the last six months. Um, Ice Cream Man issue, like... Anything? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but issue, like, 10, maybe, the Neapolitan issue... To me, is mm-hmm. um, yeah. is a thing that you don't need to know anything about. And you can go into it and, and just appreciate it. It was like five or six. That was early in the second volume. Yeah, I think it was issue yeah. three, of volume two. Yeah, yeah, it was dang. Yeah, every issue of 
of that series, I think, could be read on its own and, and enjoyed thoroughly. Yeah, I like would the, love... The, I love the Neapolitan one, but but I loved it because of the trickery, mm-hmm. like the, the comic book trickery that he was able to do that I haven't seen done successfully like that before. Yeah. I would... I would even put like that silly uh, Buddy Holly issue up Four. there with that, you know, like just as as an issue that I really identified with. Um, and this is more of a softball. Just if you want something else to respond to. Oh, Curious yeah. what your favorite Marvel crossover events are or maybe just one that you liked the consequential nature of. Maybe one that felt was, or maybe one that you felt was too inconsequential. I've only read a few of them so far. What favorite Marvel events? Roman, are you going to say like <laughs> Infinity Gauntlet? Are you going to say uh, Secret Wars, the original one? Um, Boy. Um, yeah, Infinity Gauntlet's up there. Uh, one of the first ones I ever read as a kid. Secret Wars 2. Well, actually, no, or older than that, reprints of, um, or back as, what was it called? The Avengers Defenders War that crossed over between the two titles. Huh. So like, and it was kind of unheard of at the time, apparently. I didn't realize this till later, but because it, it lasted like, involved like six issues of each title. And yeah, I don't even remember what the story was. It's just Avengers and Defenders fighting each other. I mean, for Marvel, I would have to say Civil War is my gold standard. Uh, I don't know if I've really identified with a another Marvel crossover in the same way before or after. I've been largely disappointed in them setting Civil War as a standard, like the, the bar. I would say I have a weird affinity for Avengers versus X-Men. And I think that it is maybe a little bit tied towards the, the time in my life that I was reading it and the creators involved. But I think that it is a great instance of bringing all of the Avengers and all of the X-Men together in a story that made sense and was very good and had very strong emotional beats. Was that Bendis and Jason Aaron? It was Bendis, Jason Aaron, Jonathan Hickman, Matt Fraction. Uh, Jesus. And like <laughs> a different, a fifth writer who I can't remember, but... Um, it, Oh, Rick Remender. Dang. It was it was it was all of them. It was it was why the it was it was the moment when all the image guys were still at Marvel. Right. So that one I think is really really good. I didn't read War of the Realms, yeah. but I really appreciate the timeliness and kind of the uh, I don't want to say like succinct or or efficiency that they did it with, but it was very cohesive. It like it started. Everybody seemed to really like it. It didn't last a year. <laughs> it didn't take forever. It crossed over into things that Everything. seemed relative, like relevant, yeah. like yeah, because it was because it was actually a worldwide event, right? And like you know, right now we haven't we haven't finished the crossover yet, but DC's having the Year of the Villain, and they've branded all these issues as Year of the Villain crossovers, but they haven't been super tied in it's been like almost an afterthought in the last couple pages and that's Mm. like it didn't seem like war of the realms did that and i know it's not in the question but my favorite crossover of all time is final crisis Mm. oh because that's a dc one yeah Yeah. man dc crossover favorite dc crossover such a different pretty awesome they do them real differently they do and they're really all of them really good oh man i'm just gonna get ribbed for this forever but i really oh liked, oh 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 <laughs> i really what like Django think you get ribbed for forever oh is it an annual event no although 
No, it's not an annual okay. event. It's not Bloodlines? No, if, <laughs> if it was an annual event, though, it would be Armageddon 2001. Sure, I, I don't even know what that it, is. They, they flashed forward like 15 years for all the annuals. Is it zero hour? It's like, zero yeah. hour. Like, I thought that that was a really fun thing. The last four pages of everything turned white, and then you had a reboot. The The main series started at number four and counted down to number zero. Like, it, it was released backwards. Mm-hmm. Um and then we got Parallax out of that. Okay. Um, yeah. And I don't give a shit about Green Lantern, but Parallax is a pretty rad idea. Roman, <laughs> do you have a favorite DC one? DC. Oh, my God. There's so many. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right. Final Crisis. Invasion. Um, <laughs> Infinite Crisis is good. Um, Identity Crisis was great. Yeah. Yeah, Infinite Crisis was great. All their... 52? Yeah, all their Crisis title in events. Identity Crisis <laughs> was not a crossover. It was. I don't think was it was it an not? event. It was a six issue or five issue comic. Oh I, right. I don't th- yeah. Okay. It was a crisis, but it was a, kind of a crisis. It was a very personal. Only. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Bronco came up and the cowboy <laughs> came down. I don't get it. at the old <laughs> saddle horn. Um, it made a great impression. You so could say it changed his life. Another and question. That's how uh, the yodel was born. From the great uh, <laughs> William Elmer, my old boss, who now I get to sell comics to, which is. <laughs> just super cathartic. Do me. you want to be? God, I could go for some pizza right now. The boss. Um, that is a reference to a not incredibly lucid uh, <laughs> Bellingham person who asks some, some bizarre questions. So Django just screamed a yodel question, <laughs> then said a quote from somebody that no one knows, apropos of nothing. Motherfucker. Okay. All right. So, All right. Uh, William Elmer. Uh, morning, gents. Not sure if this is going to make it in time before the recording, but I wanted to submit another question that Jeff and I were discussing yesterday. Uh, it was awesome. He was just kind of spitballing of, would, it, would this be a good question? And I tried not to think about it too hard because I wanted to think about it as a virgin um, questioned for the very first time here on the podcast. For um, the very first time. Uh, Having been reading comics regularly for the last year-ish, I've started to identify what writers and writing really sticks out to me. But listening to you guys talk about the art in the books has made me realize that I feel completely lost on what makes me, uh, what makes for good and bad art in the comics. I can think of a few books that I didn't particularly like the art, but the writing was enjoyable enough that I was able to look past it. Listening to you guys discuss the current Daredevil books, <clears throat> losing subscribers over the poor substitute artist of the book was fascinating to me because I hadn't thought about canceling a book over art. What do you guys look for in the art direction of a book? What do you love? What do you hate? And what are some of your favorite artist books that are really artist slash books that are really pull or that that you are really pulled into the world more based off your expectations and preferences? Thanks for all you guys do. So the question of what do you guys look for in the art direction of a book? What do you love? What do you hate? And what are some of your favorite artists and books that you are uh, really pulled into the world? world of shadows and panel to panel storytelling i mean it all kind of colors come, yeah i mean mm. yeah so that's exactly right to me uh the art which to me is the penciling and yeah. the inking and then the coloring is a very different thing that's very important and there are colorists that i love dean white is a colorist who just adds a, a level of existence to things that other people don't what's he done um he does most of the inking or the coloring for uh, Jerome Pena, he does the coloring for uh, Isad Ribic, he does the coloring for a lot of uh, um, Phil Noto sometimes. Okay. Uh, he did the stuff. It's a little in... more watercolor. Yeah, wa- yeah, exactly yeah. that. Um, 
but his name's not Dave Stewart, so I didn't recognize it. No, Dean White is is amazing though. Um, so artists, it got it's got to be cool, right? Like, isn't that so much like? I, I want to look at something that I think looks cool. That's one thing. Yeah. But I also want to be impressed by how much story can be conveyed without text. And I think that is a, an incredibly overlooked aspect of comic books. You know, like I've gotten a, a rap about not liking wordy comic books. And, and that's so far away from the truth. <laughs> because Hickman is a wordy comic writer, and Morrison is a wordy writer, but I feel like so often writers won't rely on their artist to tell a story, and instead they'll try and tell the whole story through the words, mm-hmm. and that doesn't leave the artist a lot of room. So what I look for is a, a, a synergy between the writer mm-hmm. and the artist that seems to indicate that the artist is given a lot of freedom to tell a large story. I have a lot to say about this. Um, Steve Dillon illustrated preacher and what blows me away about the art in that is how much he can get in a character's face like complex emotions with kind of his lumpy liney style and and He's, he, he has a way of, of being very sparse, but very spot on. Even though he uses a lot of hash, like hash marks and, and like um, cross hatching to, to get his shadows and stuff. So there's a lot of lines in there, but the ones that matter are the ones that show you why somebody's smiling without the writer having to tell you. Um, so like the, the ability for an artist to make a drawing act. I think in in single panels, and I, I don't know if we talked about this um, directly, but I think I heard I heard the iFanboy guys talking about it a while ago. How the things that happen in a comic are happening in between the panels, mm-hmm. so you have like panel one and panel two, and you have to invent what happens in between. And some artists like um, Darwin Cook can lead you through that sequence in a way that is natural while you're reading it. You don't have to stretch to figure like you you never have to study a panel to figure out what just happened or what is happened what is happening. You can really enjoy things with art that um I would maybe say is just kind of like serviceable art. Yeah. So I wouldn't say yeah. that you get bothered by sort of just standard art as much. In the Will Elmer boat cuz like if Will's reading stuff that he loves the writing but hasn't noticed that the art is good or bad. Like if, if, if the art doesn't bother him as long as the story pulls him through, like that's, I would say he's got a leg up on us in the writer standpoint. Well, this right? Hickman book is a real good example. It of is. And that's what I was thinking too. Cause there's um, like, for instance, there, and I hadn't thought about that at all consciously until he mentioned it, Django um, in this issue. Cause, and this goes into the coloring too. I don't, I don't even, I haven't, I'd have to look at it, look it up. But who's the colorist on this, on Pow- on House of X? Because there's like a panel I remember toward the end where uh, Magneto is just standing there, and it's pretty static pose and everything. But the coloring I think makes the panel because there's, I assume the sun. There's a burst of light over Magneto's shoulder, and it really adds a dramatic effect to the panel 
and to Magneto's presence because otherwise he's just standing there. It's literally it's, the last panel. It's the last panel? Right. Oh, well, there's that one. I was thinking oh, there's, there's a full body shot where you see yeah, his, his yeah, white outfit. Yeah, it's a little bit earlier when he like yeah, a couple pages before that. the guys or something. But um, maybe that one. I do think the coloring in that book is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's some artists like, say, like uh, Ramos. He's the one that in a negative way infects. Uh, infects <laughs> uh, affects my reading of Spider-Man because I dislike his art so much. I'm always like, ah, oh, this is a pretty good story. I just wish the art was better. He's a great example um, of, of a like a, of an artist that I just don't really even want to read the book if he's doing it. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. have you guys read Revelations? No. He drew it. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was an awesome like uh, Vatican crime noir. And I would never hmm. say that he can't do good art, but his style of art that he uses in Marvel stuff yeah. is is I, I well, he but, take a story that I want to read and I don't want to read it. But I guess that's that's what I'm driving at is that in this I, I don't love his superhero stuff. It's it's fine. It doesn't bother me, but I don't seek it out. But in this Revelations, it somehow fits really well with this crime noir story, which you would never guess. Same, absolutely the same guy drawing it. And it's it's not a super different style, but it's a really really good comic, just in that different context, like the not superhero context. Uh, See, so yeah, uh, yeah, wow, and that's interesting because there's, um, I guess to get back to the main question, I, uh, I want an artist to visually complement the storytelling of the writer, but also add something to it. And and like this week's example for me would be, um, um. Uh, Mark Wade's history of yeah. of the Marvel Marvel's universe because Javier Rodriguez. Thank you, Javier R- Rodriguez. His artwork in it. I mean, he's portraying Incredible. what Wade is describing, but he's adding to it. Like I remember, there's in the beginning, there's a sequence of within the panels. There's small circles that I'd show be, show Galactus's incubation Galen periods. being transformed it's, into Galactus, and it. And it goes through the panels. I didn't notice it until page yeah. four. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God. And I went back to the beginning. Yeah. Like, Holy and shit. He's illustrated the entire incubation Yeah, and you see that process, but oh. Wade only mentions it like once or twice. And then the artist, he adds that in there. So you're following it. And that kind of thing, that complimentary thing, but adds to it and, not, and doesn't just like when it kind of fails, like in what we'll talk about later, in Final Crisis where that artist – failed to portray some stuff right. the writer wanted him to portray. Right. I mean, it, it's very dramatic, those two those two extremes. <laughs> I think that I think that it's it's a really complex thing. I think that what's really important is I don't feel like you should feel bad to expect incredibly high things out of comic books. Yeah. I think that it's okay to have very high standards and and that Daredevil book for example, it's 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 so hard to put your finger on because I think that sometimes there's a magical alchemy to a writer and an artist that just vibe together. Morrison and Quietly, to me, are the mm-hmm. definitive yeah. uh, duo that can do that. But Rick Remender and Jerome Pena. Frank uh, Miller and Frank Miller. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> to put it uh, concisely, an incredibly important thing to me is a well-conceptualized environment. Yeah. Um, to believe that the artist has a map for the room and space that you're in and that throughout the panels you can feel and see the people moving around in that environment and the the things within it stay the same but you're seeing them from different angles it's one thing to have people in front of things 
talking. But um, Frank Quietly, I think, is in my mind the master of somebody who builds an environment and he makes 3D models of it in his sketchbooks and you can see it and he puts things in it and he then changes the camera angle to show those like the the setting becomes a character that's mm. incredibly important to me yeah um and then Darwin Cook like you said I think Dar- Darwin Cook and like Jorge Fornes Jorge Fornes yeah <laughs> like those two can tell us a, a, a story and, and show movement in a way that I, I don't think anybody else has. Yeah. 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 Darwin Cook is a master. I'm going to say the most incredibly pretentious thing, and I've said it on the podcast before, but there's a phrase that always comes to my mind when I'm feeling this thing from an artist, and it, it happens with Darwin Cook, and it happens with Frank Quitely, um, and it happens some other times, but Mobius... Um, but like, I feel like sometimes I'm touching God and I know that sounds insane, but what I mean by that is sometimes when I'm looking and I will just stare at Frank Quietly's art and I can see and I can feel every moment of brain process that went into every portion of every line. There is no, Frank Quietly doesn't draw a line that is not drawn. Like he doesn't. Everything I mentioned on the Blade Runner when we were talking about Blade Runner with yeah. Django, like when you're sm- like smoke, where everything is detailed. There's a movement that goes into it because you care about every part of it. You're not drawing a line to draw a line. You're drawing a line because it's that line is supposed to be there. And to me, I can only describe that as like accessing the infinite vastness of another human being, <laughs> like seeing and feeling their existence for just a moment, and. And I, yeah, it doesn't happen often, but that to me is like, it's, it's like seeing God. It's like being, it's like your ego descends and you're no longer yourself, but you are just a part of the entire collective unconscious and you can feel and see the act that you are like, it's just, it's an amazing and beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that. That's, I think that's what Kirby tapped into. He, so he tapped. He was able to portray the kind of like that mythic resonance that's in our collective unconscious unconsciousness. That's you read one of his books, you're looking at his art, and you're like, "Wow, yeah, that's that's I get it. That's that's life." Alan Moore gets a whole lot of credit for doing Watchmen, and I think that Dave Gibbons is one of the like maybe the best artist from that era. As far as creating a world, and like I say this in the shop all the time, but when somebody puts down a pen in that comic, Dave Gibbons yeah. knows where that pen is for the rest of the series. And if you go back in that room, <laughs> that pen is right there. And that's yeah. that quietly thing. And you're right, Dave Gibbons, I think, is given a short shrift yeah. uh, because Alan Moore gets the credit for that. But you're right, Al, like you, the first time you said that to me, uh, that stayed in my mind forever. And Chris Ware, I think Chris Ware knows the layout of every room on the entire block before he draws a refrigerator in somebody's house. Um, like he's, he's, he has computer drafted an entire city before he writes a story that's set in a coffee shop. I think I read this. I must've read this on the way back from Las Vegas. I got a preview copy of the Harley Quinn breaking glass by Mariko Tamaki and Steve Pugh. And I don't think I've ever stopped and 
just kind of stared at a drawing of a face for as long as I did in that comic, like four or five times, because he he captures real people in it's not a photorealistic way, but it's a very realistic, cartoony kind of like pudgy, lumpy, grotesque way that he draws. And it's some of the best art. I, I think that that's going to be probably my favorite comic of the year by the time it's all over. I have no love for Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I don't like to read young adult comics for the most part. And that is I, like the advanced copy that we got. I think it comes out next month, maybe, or the month you know, after. A little bit longer. I'm not sure. It's, it's still a little ways out, but it is easily one of the most well-written and well-illustrated comics that I've read in years. I like I I love to st- when I was 8 years old I was in second grade and I was sitting in my second grade class and the principal walked in and her name was Mrs. Bean and I looked at her and I thought that's Mrs. Bean and then for some reason I thought keep staring and I stared at her until she no longer just looked like Mrs. Bean but I was actually looking at her as a new person Um, when you tie an idea to a visual stimulus, your brain ties those two things together. Um, So that to say, I try to do that in comic books all the time, 21 years later. I try to do that thing where I stare at a face, just like you said, and I try not to recognize it as that thing that I immediately know that it is. I try to stare at it and, and wait until the connections that exist are no longer there. And and it becomes what it is without the context that society's created for it. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but I I that's one of the reasons. Like I've read comics next to Justin and next to like many other people, and I take way too long because I just oh. I love to sit and stare at a thing yeah. until it stops being what it is and it becomes what it is yeah there's no there's no such thing as taking too long. I yeah. I, I, I I take a long time you, to read. Yeah, comics. but it's not too that's, long. That's it's, fine. Like. Uh, remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about how like Django, like, like if you were to boil me down and put me on a sitcom, I would have these character traits. Like I like to eat fruit off of trees and I like, I, I love the history of bananas. And if you put a podcast in front of me about bananas, I'll, I'll listen to it. If I know you give that's me an true, article about I don't bananas. remember this moment. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are like a handful of things that Partly yeah. thanks to you, I've identified about myself. And uh, like when I catch myself listening to another podcast about the history of bananas, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Jeff would think this is pretty funny. <laughs> um, I think that one of those character traits for you is that when someone says, hey, you know what I did that was funny today? You actually stop and put brain power into thinking like about it. what it was, <laughs> right? And so like – to stop and put brain power into reading a comic and dissecting it and, and like trying to get something else out of the page that you didn't get on first glance. Um, th- you don't take too long. You take a Jeff amount of time to do it. And that's not a bad amount of time for you. I would fucking go crazy if I read comics as slow as you, but yeah, I think that yeah. you read them and also you interact with comics and get a lot different things out of comics than I do. And I, I, there, there's no way you can say that's the wrong way to do it. Well, yeah, if you take magic mushrooms at some point in your life, it'll change your brain chemistry. So, 
It'll make you stare at things longer, is all I'm saying. Where do you get them? <laughs> just, do I they call grow Don on, Juan they literally DeMarco? grow on yeah. poop. Yeah, just, just go Juan out DeMarco. in a field. <laughs> a field. Um, gosh, we're near Jeez, the end of this Will. whole thing. Um, I'm, out of, I'm out of email questions. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, oh. What are we going to do? Well, I got a question. Go on. Can we listen to a voicemail? Please. Are we ready for this to be over is, is the real thing? Because I think that this... No. I could keep doing this inter- in eternally for sure. But... All right. I got nothing going on. Okay. Well, I've got some questions for you guys. Oh, Uh-oh. fuck. All right. Here's the last voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Jeff? Uh, I, I mean, I eternally have a bunch of questions. I asked this question last week, but Roman wasn't on it. I do want to know. Roman, do you read comics and voices? I remember coming to the store before I worked here. And hearing you saying, oh, no, Hulk, don't and, hit me so hard. And <laughs> hearing Chris talk about a particular line of the Joker's dialogue and the way that he reread it to me, it was in this crazy Joker voice. And I remember asking him, uh, do you read comics and those voices? And he was like, yeah, like I definitely read comics and these voices. I, huh. that is a thing that I would say I don't do and I, I wish I did more of, but everything goes into my brain and maybe that's part of the reason I do things more slowly is because is they, they come into my brain as monotone Jeff voice. And then I I plow through the different ways that you can represent these words to have them mean different things. I think there was one in House of X here where if I emphasized these syllables differently, it drastically changed the meaning of the sentence. And I don't believe that bold, italicized words effectively are ever used in comics. Huh. Boy, a great question. Um... It depends on actually, boy, so many factors. The art, like say if I'm reading a Joker story, if it's the art is reminiscent of like an animated Batman animated series mm-hmm. style, then I'll hear Mark Hamill's Joker. But if it's just a regular Joker story by you know Chris Burnham or somebody, I don't hear Mark Hamill's voice for the Joker. Well, give me more Chris Burnham Joker books, I would say. Yeah, who, yeah, do, yeah. Do you hear? I don't Jack hear, Nicholson? Do you hear no, Roman I don't, Statler? No, I, I don't hear a particular voice for the Joker. Just, like, what, was Chris Burnham the artist on this week's issue with the detective? No, no that was Doug Monkey. amazing. Doug Monkey, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't hear any particular joke. I love that. I gave that a 10, but I, I didn't hear a particular Joker voice for that. Roman, um, also, sort of derail you, but I think you had four very gooey ducks this I week. I had four tens this week, yeah. Can you just tell um, me what they were? Detective Comics, because... Great story, and it was it was a it was a nod to Killing Joke, and also Dark Knight Returns. You have to tell me about that one because I didn't get that. It, I mean, there's the, the the big Joker denouement in Dark Knight Returns is in uh, denouement. What is this French? <laughs> you think you're Justin? Like the, the <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. The big action set with the Joker near the end of the Joker storyline in Dark Knight Returns is set in uh, an amusement park. Mm, right, yeah. It's not same the same amusement, amusement park, but it's, it's... Really? I thought it was the same amusement it, park. It, sure, it's the same amusement park. Yeah, that's what I thought, because it, 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 it said that, okay, this killing joke is in continuity. So, um, uh, Detective Comics, Detective Comics, X. House of X, um, History of the Marvel Universe. Oh, oh, my God, what was the other one? Oh, and Valkyrie, number one, yeah. You gave yeah. that a 10? I loved it. Oh, my God, I loved it. Wow. It was Jason Aaron and Al Ewing, which is a pretty yeah. good... Yeah, two of my favorite comic book writers. I read it and liked it. I haven't read it yet. I'd give it a 
Seven and a half, probably. I'd like to read House of X good. before again before reading it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those those ones. What were we talking about? We're talking um, about how when you read House of X, your legs fall asleep if you're on the toilet. So, so it no, sounds okay. like we're down to our <laughs> final question here, Django. <laughs> All right. So this is our last voicemail. Uh, Thank it, you everybody for writing questions. Thank you to people oh, who wrote yeah. multiple questions. Yeah, this questions. is awesome. Um, We've got awesome listeners, and, yeah, we love you all. I can't imagine that you've all made it this far, but if you have, <laughs> uh, keep sending them in. Like, listen, if if the end of every show is uh, Nathan Butcher and Samuel, <laughs> whatever her name was. And I think it was Barrick. Barrick and, uh, and Dino, and, like, we answer questions for 10 minutes. Like, awesome. That would be really gratifying to me. Yeah. Like, oh, for just sure. send, send us a question every week. We can just, keep pulling ideas about comic books out of our ass, but we love responding <laughs> to anything y'all are saying. Yeah. 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 Uh, so here is a voicemail from our friend uh, Nathan Butcher. I'm not I'm not sure. Boucher. Uh, oh, Nathan Boucher. Boucher. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, yeah. Comics are cool. <laughs> This isn't something I knew before 2019 began. It baffles me that I waited until the ripe age of 32 to explore this particular corner of nerddom. I find myself discussing comics often with my friends and family who don't read them at all. My most frequent audience is my wife. I've been asking her to read Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six for quite some time now. Uh, You guys have talked about it on the podcast, and I read it myself and really wanted to share it with her. Up to now, she's only heard my incoherent stream of consciousness <laughs> synopses of the books I read, if we should call them that. I try to make them sound interesting, I swear. Alas, I've found that even with the person who loves me the most in this world, the comic book is kind of a difficult medium to push to the unwilling. Still, she finally read this Spidey number six, this incredible embodiment of not only the hero, but in my opinion, the embodiment of the medium through which he's most aptly shared with the world. Upon flipping the last page, she simply said, whoa, I didn't know comics did that. (laughs) It wasn't an excited sentence per se. It was pure unabated surprise. Before I could get in a response, she was already flipping back to the previous pages, clearly eager to re-experience what she had just experienced not five minutes after this two of her friends came over and she told them the story as they teared up it was interesting watching her do the same thing that i had done to her so many times when you get overtaken by a story and just need to share it with the people you love both of my friends wives are uh, excuse me but both of my wife's friends are pregnant and they both have sons of their own and one of our close friends died of cancer about three weeks ago I really liked this moment. My wife really liked this moment. And her friends really liked this moment. So, yeah, comics are cool. Hmm. Comics are cool. Wow. Yeah. I got goosebumps from that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That was my experience with the Batman annual number two. I handed it to Erica and she read it and just like finished it and just kind of set it down and didn't say anything. And was floored by kind of the love story in that in that book. Yeah, I think that that's kind of tying back into the earlier question of a previous day's podcast, but you know what is awesome about this job um like I I I think that we I I think of us as ambassadors to this medium 
that has been largely misrepresented for a long time. For sure. And I think I, I didn't know where that question was going and I thought maybe it was going to be I handed this book that I loved to my wife and she didn't care about it what is a, a book to give her that that uh, she might like and my thought was like well yeah a lot of people think that it's all just superhero books so maybe choose a non-superhero book but um, well, and, and like you say ambassadors yeah not filters and I think that like we're seen for, by, by people who don't go into comic stores. I think the comic store guy, the comic shop guy that you think of is a filter, not an ambassador. And I think of our job and the purpose of our job is to read as much as we can so that when anybody comes into this store, I can try and through a conversation bond with them for a moment and figure out where their life priorities are and try and match that with the other things like I love reading comic books but I read a lot of comic books so that maybe I'll meet the person that that's the book for them yeah and I... yeah yeah I mean, so so like ambassadors like I I think that I don't you know I think that I think that all art has a degree of truth to it and and comic books are like a thing that to me feel very very true and I think that through a large combination of things uh, it's hard for people to understand the truth and beauty in comic books. And I consider like every day I wake up excited to come in here to hopefully help people find that realization right there, that moment of like, whoa, I didn't know they did that because they do this thing that you don't, you don't, you hear about them when you're seven and you don't realize that there's this amazing respect to it and this love and craft and sacrifice. And I've been brought to tears by comic books, but I've been brought to tears by just being in a room with people who've devoted their life to comic books. It's a crazy, powerful thing and people believe in it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's so many, uh, what Nathan said there, there's so many moments that I can recall when I thought, Wow, I didn't know comics could do that. And Alan Moore's uh, uh, the anatomy lesson in Swamp Thing. I mean, I, Tom King's that that Batman annual, the Catwoman Batman relationship. There's so many of those moments in comics. The Hulk stuff with his his trauma and and personality stuff. And it doesn't even have to be the stuff that hits you hard, like that Spider Man. It's almost a sucker punch. Like, it's so good, but it's also like, here are some things that are going to get you. And I, I don't think that it was manufactured at all. I think it's just a really well done story. But like the mundane comics or even just the superhero comics or like, I don't think that there's a comic book out there that nobody could get something out of. If that makes sense. There's, Except for that grumpy cat comic. Somebody can get something. Now, that's that. my like, point. Is that like, that's why I, I fucking hated it. I and I would six yeah. because the thing you hate yeah. is somebody's favorite thing. Right. I would burn them all. Also, I would give one to a kid and they might get something fun out of it. Yeah. 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 So it, it goes back to what Django said uh, to me. The comic books are this thing that one person can do or two people do. When you look at even a book that is has a lot of people involved, it's a writer, an artist, an inker, a colorist, a letterer, and an editor. I would say in general, the most people that you're going to get are six people between you and the creators. But in general, you get more like three. It's oftentimes like three people. Yeah. 
And to me, what that all comes down to is that like human beings are amazing. And that feeling of, wow, comic books can do that. It's like, yeah, comic books can do that because people can do that. I think that it's like, uh, I feel incredibly <clears throat> blessed and I have 140 episodes in, I think just like an insane deference for this medium. I feel like a student of this medium every day. I feel like I, like I love those moments where I just learn I don't know enough. Mm-hmm. And I love getting to share that moment with other people. Yeah. Yeah, those are all amazing things. I mean, the times I've felt like, well, what am I doing? I mean, I'm this, I'm, you know, this age and, and I'm working. I'm yeah, I'm old. working in comic book stores, one of my jobs. But then when I describe some of the experiences I have here to people, inc- including my therapist, and they're like, our wow, therapist. our therapist, yeah, our shared <laughs> therapist. And they're like, and they're like, wow, most people don't get to say that about their jobs. They don't get to experience that at their jobs. Do you know how valuable that is? And that's how the yodel was born. And, and, <laughs> and that question has come back to me more than once from different people. Do you know how valuable that is? I wish I had that experience at work. It's pretty freaking amazing. It it, it really is. And you know, someday we'll be able to pay to go along with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I just, I think everyone would serve, like, I, the history of comic books is, there's some holes in this theory, but I, I've said, I think the two uh, endearing American legacies are jazz music and comic books. Mm. And I think the history of comic books is in so much the history of America and the history of people evolving the ability to convey ideas and teach one another. And I think that um, Sean Howe's Marvel, The Untold Story, is uh, Grant Morrison's Super Gods. They're, I would encourage everybody, if they're at all interested, to try. Maybe you just are registering this as Jeff is like, they're sampling whiskey and they've been doing fucking Q&A for three and a half hours. <laughs> and maybe he's just on one. But He's going to laugh at one of my fart jokes in like 10 minutes here. <laughs> but uh, I... I yeah, if you're at all interested in if this feels like a foreign idea that you're interested in pursuing, there's there's books and things uh, that I think we would all love to point you towards. What was the Sean Howe's book? Marvel: The Untold Story. Oh, okay, it's okay. it's uh, prose. It's a prose book, yeah, and yeah, no Mar- pictures, no pictures. And Grant Morrison's Super Gods mm, is yeah. a history of comic books as an idea and an autobiography as his own, and it, it's it's amazing. But uh, we would love. I would love to, like, I have such a almost comically large appreciation for this thing. I think we all do. So, you know, if, you're, if you want to get in touch with that, please come in and talk to us or call us or whatever because sharing it is what we do and we love doing it. And I don't know. That seems like a good note to go off on, but. I'm Django. And, well, that's uh, an abrupt way. Listen, <laughs> Apparently hey. I'm just the fart joke guy. <laughs> um, this was episode 140. We talked about it for a while and we did it 150 we want to do a live one, and we're gonna do a live we're one. We're gonna do whether a live it's at one. a bar or in the comic store, <laughs> yeah, or in the hypnotist's office in our basement. Yeah, so we're gonna do something, and it's only gonna happen because of uh, a bunch of people telling us they want to come to it. So thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of that. And I look forward to seeing all of you there in the same way that this was a blast, and I didn't know how it was gonna happen three months ago when we. Talked about it for the first time. That's how we roll, Jeff. It's jazz <laughs> music, baby. Hey, let's do this thing. All right, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next thing? The end.
You know, the what visual cool representation I, I always comes to my mind for the comics place and the comics community and comics in general and art and everything you were talking about there. It's always two big, giant, drawn, Kirby hands, one like one like this open palm with the palm up, fingers spread, and the other one like reaching out going, come on in. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sums it all up for me visually. It really come is. Come on in. It's it's really interesting to be a store selling things that have that were marginalized for a really long time mm-hmm. and trying to be as welcoming as we can be to get more people excited about this stuff. Uh, you should cut this part out because we've already said all this shit better than I'm about to say it. But just being able to turn people on to this stuff that we love for the first time is it, it, it's really something special and I don't see it in every store. I don't see it in no stores. I don't see it in every online uh, discussion. Um, but it, like it, it, it's kind of tired to say comics are for everyone, but comics really are Yeah. for Everyone. I, I don't think that there's a single person that could come into the store that with given five tries, we couldn't find something that they really liked. Uh, this is the easily the most important thing I've ever done. And it's it's been effortless <laughs> for the most part. And like that's crazy. I just there's all these I wanted to do all these cool things. And yet I'm at this comic shop <laughs> and and I'm hey. doing everything that I ever wanted to do. So I'm incredibly grateful to the people I work with to the people that have come in here, and I'm very grateful to everyone uh, who will come into this store uh, that is not listening to this, that has no idea this is existing, uh, and will you know say, hey, I, I'm excited to try getting into comic books. I'm, It's the best part. It's the best thing I've ever done. I'm Django, <laughs> and dang, I can't believe you made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Roman, and you know, Jeff's got me like tearing up now, so. Well, you did it. You <laughs> hired everybody. Well, no. <laughs> Are you going to say your name or are you just going to walk away like that? <laughs> are we done sucking our own dicks now? Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to give you that little sound bite to put, out, to put in after the music. Um. Which, which will obviously be that's how the yodel was born, right? <laughs> You're going to cover it, right?